there's a lot of people I feel like Blake that are kind of hating on UFC 265. It seems like a I won't be that guy, but it really seemed like the casuals came out to play for this. But man, this is really good card. This is kind of like what we were saying going into this is that it doesn't seem that loaded on paper necessarily, or maybe compared to some of the recent pay per views that we've gone. But the fights that were strung together on Saturday night were fantastic. I had a great time. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just another good example of uh, pretty pretty solid matchmaking. I mean, just take a look top to bottom on on the main card. I mean, every fight was was pretty much hotly contested or just, you know, not even close to boring. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely don't agree with any of the folks out there saying that it was lackluster. I thought it was spot on. Now, would I want to pay $70 for it? I don't know about that. That's a different question. <laughs> but, but was it super entertaining? I think so. I, I had a great time watching it, top to bottom. Yeah, really solid. Nice fights. And it's a card where we finally got to see I mean it, it happened a while in the past a, a good amount of times but it hasn't really happened recently but Jalen Johnson hey our co-host Jalen he finally wins back his suck my pick championship he's <laughs> he actually best of the two of us was which was a oh is probably the biggest underdog at the night but you know gotta gotta give him a little round of applause for that so congrats Jalen all right yes yeah, he uh Blake up. Blake with one win, uh, getting his title back, and then losing it the next card. But I guess it's all yeah. good, you know? Michael Chiesa and Derek Lewis let me down. Ooh, yeah, no, Michael Chiesa let me down a little bit too. But, of course, we're going to have to get to that fight. But, th ladies and gentlemen, let's get into things. Of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, joined alongside by the AFL court fourth or the UFC Correspondent for fourth long. Even my show is confused. I apologize. Put some respect on my name. I know. I already messed yeah. it up, but it's okay, Blake. You want the why it's okay? It's because you you're paying me money sometime. Is it, I, I give you stuff occasionally. Some SCG subs, for example. Hey, see, I hooked you up though, didn't I? Don't oh, say shit. I don't try. Don't say I don't try. Ladies and gentlemen, right. thanks for joining us today. Before we get into UC 265, just wanted to get you out a couple of things. Of course, we want to keep going on the road, keep chugging to get Blake paid, as we just talked about. And you can do this by going on over to fourthandlong or patreon.com slash fourthandlong to get started today. Starting at just $1 a month to get you a bunch of goodies and it goes up $5 and to $10 tiers. And I mean, look at his eyes. We say this every week, man. I would I would play in the arms of angels, but that would probably get his carpet struck on uh, YouTube because they're, they're uh, bastards about that one. And I wouldn't sing it uh, because I have a really awful voice. But just look. Just look. Pay the man. Pay the man. I mean, you're, you're all of you guys are making me look like UFC or Dana White right now and Blake like a normal UFC fighter. This isn't a good look on me. <laughs> I, need that, I need that 50 grand bonus. God, you can't be like Shine Bays, man. Cannot be like that. I have to get my boy Blake something. Maybe that five dollar bonus. You know, maybe hold off on the on the fifty Gs for now. You know. Yes, we'll Thank see you. what happens. <laughs> it depends on it depends on the Patreon. Exactly. So go on over there, and then also just put a new interview with uh, at least for me a local fighter out of uh, Idaho. He is undefeated, and he is already having a problem finding opponents to fight him. So he's had eight people pull out of a fight already with him, and he's just a couple fights into his career. That is insane. So you can go on over to fourthandlong.com slash UFC to, get, uh, hit, to hit up that interview right now. But Blake, it's time. UFC 265 
and the way where we start every card breakdown that we do is by asking the question, do the bangers hit? Absolutely. Absolutely they did, homie. You want to just run us down real quick, give a little recap of what you got right? Yeah, we had Bobby Green and Fiziev. Uh, I mean, that was just an awesome fight. From the first round to the third round, they were just going hard. And it was very back and forth, too. I mean, super even fight between those two guys. Uh, uh, so that was awesome. The third round, but that's something we're going to get into here in a moment. <laughs> Definitely. Um, Song Yudong and Casey Kenny. I mean, that. I was really trying to decide between uh, this fight and Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill, believe it or not. And uh, really, I mean, I think I could have picked either one and... I, bo- I would have had the same answer regardless. Like, both of those fights were bangers. Yeah, um, I think I'd win it. Yeah, and then the the final one that I picked, uh, Jose Aldo and Pedro Munoz. Awesome fight, too, I thought. I mean, Aldo looked super good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leg kicks were back. I mean, he was just doing everything right in that fight. He looked like a top contender, for sure. Oh, hands down. I cannot wait to talk about that one. But first, let's get to our biggest or our big winners of the card. The first one I mention is Manuel Cape. Of course, he gets a big win over O'Day Osborne. He gets that flying knee to land a huge knockout in his debut to the promotion. So that was extremely, I mean, what better way to make a first impression than with a flying knee, you know? Those are always fantastic. But the two biggest things I want to talk about here, Blake, before we get into the co-main event and the main event of the evening, let's talk about Vicente Luque. He has now won 10 of his last 11. He also passes Tony Ferguson for, Ferguson for most stars chokes in UFC history. He now has four. And he put on one hell of a show. I mean, this fight against Michael Chiesa was like a f- 15 minutes worth of action compressed into less than one round. This thing was ridiculously fast-paced. And everything happened so quickly. I thought Chiesa had this fight all but one. But then Luque... I mean, he shows he's no slouch on the ground either. Hits a crazy reversal, um, land, and locks in the Dars, and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, it was super fast-paced. It seemed like it only lasted 30 seconds in there. Um, really, it seemed like there was only five punches thrown, too. I mean, I don't have the exact numbers. I have to pull those up, but uh, it was it was surprising, man. I thought it was going to go a little bit longer than it did. Um, Kiesa actually hit him with a really good strike that opened up Luque right under his eye. So I thought he might be able to take advantage of that at some point. But pretty much right after that strike, they, they moved right to the ground. Um, and then from there, it was a, a little bit of uh, back and forth until uh, I think Kiesa had about two chokes locked in on the back, which mm-hmm. was crazy. I thought I thought he was sunk in a couple of times. Um, and then Luque, like you said, did, did an amazing reversal and, and ended up getting him in the darts. Mm-hmm. I mean what else do you want from that that was just a lot of action there and Blake to your point there was 14 total strikes landed in this one uh, six with Michael Chiesa and eight with Vicente Luque so so really like in Vicente's last I want to say like six or seven fights I think he's only lost one mm-hmm. and it was to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in November of 2019 Everyone else, it's like he beat up Mike Perry by decision, knocked out Derek Krantz, knocked out Randy Brown, knocked out Nico Price, uh, submitted Tyron Woodley, but really pretty much knocked him out, and submitted Michael Chiesa. So, I mean, this guy is, like, just blowing through folks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, now his last two wins are from Darcy, too. It, you know? Like, I don't think people are giving this guy enough credit just because he's Gilbert Burns' teammate. Um, he's 
you know, maybe he hasn't been fighting the elite, elite levels. And maybe just because of the Wonder Boy Thompson, he lost a little bit of his, you know, luster, his shine. Um, this guy is a problem, dude. He's, he's finishing everyone that he comes up against now. Uh, I, I think it's time for him to either get a Leon Edwards or you know, someone that is big time um, mm-hmm. because he basically is the only guy that hasn't fought Usman at this point. Well, let's talk about that then, Blake, because as soon as this fight ended, I went on to Twitter to say, uh, to, to kind of give my thoughts on who he should fight next. And I know there was all this talk around there, talking all this smack on Twitter with Gilbert Burns and Leon Edwards. But I want guys that haven't fought Kamar Usman yet. Um, obviously, that's something we're looking for. I'm not a huge fan of rematches uh, uh, when they're still really good fighters that are mm-hmm. right next to that title shot. So, all I'm saying is forget Gilbert Burns and, and Leon Edwards. Give me Vicente Luque in Leon Edwards. I know that they already fought. I know that they already fought, and in, uh, in, uh, Leon Edwards won that fight. But I think this is a different Vicente Luque at this point, and this is the two guys I would like to see um, Kamar Usman a, potentially fight after uh, Colby Covington. What about a game bread? You don't, you don't think that would be a... Okay, okay, hold on. That's a ridiculously good fight. Okay, that's a really exciting fight. But I want to see Vicente get a title opportunity here. I want to see him in the number one contender spot because I think he has a better chance than a lot of the other people in the in the division. Especially on the ground. You can still do a Burns and Game Bread. I mean, it just kind of depends what the guys are up for. Burns and Game Bread would be nice. I mean, really, though, anyway... Yeah. You, you match those guys up it's it's solid besides obviously burns and or uh yeah burns and luke since mm-hmm. they're teammates yeah i mean that fight's not going to happen it's, it's don't one, think so one so between burns and luke one of them is going to fight hori Mazzal, and then one is going to fight leon edwards i, I think i would think so i think that would be the move if mm-hmm. unless for some strange reason leon and jorge finally want to fight each other <laughs> i don't i don't know though you know what no with the ufc that's what's going to happen though right all I, all I know is that Leon Edwards needs one more win over a good over a top five opponent. A dominant win, though. Yeah, he needs he needs to have a he, he needs mm-hmm. to have a show. I don't know if he needs a show necessarily to get talent. He, need, he needs a highlight. All I know he needs a win over a top five fighter, not Nate Diaz or well, uh, he just I got a win over Nate Diaz. You know, he got a win over Nate Diaz. He got a no contest with Bilal. I, I mean, give me a top are... five, man. I mean, sorry, Nate Diaz, not top five fighter. Bilal was not a top five fighter. But that was a title eliminator. I mean, if Nate Diaz won that fight, he's gonna get that title. And if Leon Edwards yeah. finished Nate Diaz, I guarantee you he would have got that title shot. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. He just needs a win, right? I, I, I don't know if he needs. He needs a... some. He needs some type. I'm telling you, dude. He needs some type of uh, uh, momentum. Well, he needs momentum. But I think just a win, like whether it be decision or a knockout, just a win over Gilbert Burns or Vicente Luque gets him a title shot, no matter what. I don't Possibly. know if he has to do it with. I don't know if he has to make it flashy. I think he does. You think so? I really do. Oh shoot, man! It's all up to Dana White. He's gonna. Point, I mean, dude, look like. at look at the UFC's landscape. Everyone's getting passed up. It doesn't matter what rank you are. Mm. It matters. Do you bring eyes to the sport? Do people want to watch you fight? Because that's what the UFC is in here for. They're not for. They're not really for finding out who's the best. You know, one through fifteen fighter. They're for who's gonna make me the most money right now. That's really it. That's a fantastic point. That is a fantastic point. Uh, you know. If that ends story, uh, at the end of the day, the UC has tons of options that they can do. Welterweight, 
we'll kind of have to wait and see which ones they make, right? Mm-hmm. And then another one, man. Let's talk about that. That uh, what we call the main event, the prelims. Bobby Green and Raphael Fiziev. Oh boy, they put on a fantastic show. And then obviously uh, Fiziev won the first two rounds. The third round, where you have Bobby Green out striking uh, Fiziev about seventy to thirty-five. Um, two of the judges thought that went to uh, Bobby Green. One of them did not and that's what kind of we have to talk right here um because you know joshua ferraro he gave this round 10-9 to uh, bob green and he kind of had a bit of a long-winded statement i'm gonna give this guys to you um some of the quotes that he gave uh, he said that strikes are deemed uh, strikes that are deemed most effective are strikes that have potential to end the fight those are the strikes that hold more weight than any other strikes it doesn't matter if there are punches kicks elbows you name it we have to assess who is trying to end the fight with their weapons. Those are the strikes that hold the most weight in the criteria. I'm not making this stuff up. It's in the unified rules. Looking at the fight that uh, about one minute in, Fiziev landed a shot that in my opinion hurt Green. Green played off well by shaking his head no. Uh, this is entertaining, I understand, but antics are not scored. Toughness, or uh, yeah, antics are not scored. Toughness is not scored. Um, and he goes on to kind of blame the uh, commentating group of uh, Daniel Cormier, Dominic Cruz, and John Anik, uh, maybe almost playing up this round. Uh, and it shows that he's talking about, well, the UFC's looking for Sanchez strikes landed, not how hard the strikes were. So, I don't know. What do you think about this? Is, is he onto something? I mean, I think he makes a decent point. Yeah, but whoever scored the, I don't know. If he's talking specifically about Fiziev winning the fight, I agree. If no, he is he's talking... talking specifically about that third round that he's okay, scored. then yeah. If he's talking about the third round, I highly disagree. Mm-hmm. I think there's no way in hell Bobby Green lost that round. I mean, he put tr- like triple the output of the guy, almost. You know, so um, the Fiziev, as much as you want to, you know, give him props for the first two round, he was fading in the third round. If that's a five round fight, it's gonna get interesting, I man. Bobby Green might finish him. It's going to get interesting. And that fourth round, it, it's going to get really, really interesting because I don't know how much Fazeev had left in the tank. And, and obviously, if they know it's a five-round fight, they probably prepare different and yeah. have more in the gas tank and are ready for this that. This is in the vacuum. Yeah. But this, yeah, in this specific case, if we're going off of just what our eyes see, um, he was he was kind of fading a little bit in that third round. So, yeah, I, I highly disagree with what that judge is saying in the third round. I mean, I don't, under, I don't understand mm-hmm. – how you could uh, give Fiziev that round. But just going off of what he said here about um, those are strikes that hold more weight than the other strikes. Um, talking about the strikes that are deemed most effective, have the most potential to end the fight. It's not like Bob Green was just like touching up Fiziev in the third round. He was laying some good shots. If you want to compare significant strikes to that third round too, he probably has the most there. I would, I would um, at least expect that to be the case. But he's going off and, and trying to say that some punches have more weight than others which is something that yeah i'd agree with mm-hmm. but fiziev did not land enough of those let's put in quotes the weighted punches to really make up for that third round he didn't no not in that third round i no. do remember in the third round like one or two times saying like oh wow he still he still got the power in the hands mm-hmm. but it was so few and far between it really didn't make a difference like it, in my mind the power in his hands that he was displaying in that third round saved him from it being a 10-8 mm-hmm. that's what i thought yeah so, I don't know. I'm not buying this guy. Also, the judging has just been so crap, especially in Texas or Vegas or New York and New Jersey. I mean, those four states, man, 
just not good judging. And I mean, yeah. obviously, we could say that those states are worse than judging Vegas, especially because there's a lot more, um, you know, I guess data there. There's a lot more cards taking place in in those areas. But especially when you got guys like Saldi Amato, if he's scoring your fight, you know you have to get the finish because you don't want him. You don't want to leave it up to him to score your fight. He's probably going to botch it. Yeah. I, I really think that's the end of it. Um, probably going to have more of these problems as we go on, but uh, is what it is. But, Blake, I just have one thing. I just want to get your thoughts on this. I was trying to say this on Twitter, which, of course, you follow us at Fourth Long Radio. Um, my, I think a thing that would be just absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm almost annoyed that it's not a thing yet. Put these judges at post-fight, post-card press conferences so if they, if they have bad decisions like this, they have, they can't like just save face. They can't just book you out of the, the arena, maybe upon some interviews or write out some responses like, like uh, Ferraro did. They should have to answer live to the media after the card and explain their decision. I wouldn't mind it. Uh, if the I wonder... fighters have to explain themselves, so should the judges, man. Yeah, I wonder why, I wonder why they can't do that. I mean, I'm... I don't know. Even would that some be a refs, bad look for the sport? Even some would that, press conferences. I, I don't know. I don't know why they don't do that. I don't know if they could do that. But, yeah, it would be interesting to see. I, I just don't know how the, how that would look. Well, obviously, I don't think they're mandated like like the fighters are. Um, and I don't, I don't know, like, how uh, – I don't know if that would help anything, really. I mean – At least they'd have to answer for it. At least there's, like, yeah. accountability there. I guess. But then at some point, what if it just makes them even more – I don't know, numb to the fact. They're just like, well, screw you guys anyway. You hate every decision I make regardless. But who knows? That's just yeah. a pessimistic view. Yeah. <laughs> don't know. I think the judges need, do need to get, you know, they, they need to show improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they, they figure something out. I don't know. It, it, it sucks. Yeah. It's... Maybe, I don't know. They'll, they'll figure something out, hopefully. Hopefully. I guess we just got to keep our fingers crossed. I mean, um... as long as people keep talking about it and it, it keeps on the front burners, like I'm sure there's going to be, uh, some type of measures put in place mm-hmm. to to try and see if there can be improvement. I guess the biggest question that the, in MMA right now is what problem is going to be solved first, uh, fighter pay or crappy judges? Uh, this is this is going to go on for eternity, but it is what it is. Uh, I, I guess at this point. But Blake, let's get into the co-main event of the evening. Let's talk Jose Aldo and Pedro Munoz. And Jose Aldo is just aging like a fine wine, and he's looked fantastic since making that move down to the bantamweight division. The GOAT of the featherweights is might be a fight or two away from a title shot at 135 pounds after he frankly just kind of, I wouldn't say dominates Pedro Munoz, but he definitely handles him in this fight, winning 30-27 across the board, and he clearly won each round. And, and so... This was really great to see, man. He honestly, this is one that I think he attempted the most strikes in his UFC or his in his MMA career in this fight. So yeah. he just keeps on getting better as time goes on, and he just put on a fantastic performance. And man, I'm, I'm excited for his next fight. I'm super excited for his next fight. You know, TJ Dillashaw is older than Jose. Yeah, which is that's crazy. Weird, that. right? Isn't that weird? Hey, that's what EPO does to you, I guess. It just reduces the aging process. I wouldn't mind seeing a Jose Aldo and TJ fight. Well, he called him out. He called him yeah, out. Yeah, I really wouldn't that? mind it. Because I was, I mean, I'm really down for Jose Aldo versus TJ, Jose Aldo versus Dom Cruz. Because those are just like legacy mm-hmm. fights, you know? Yeah. 
and they're both and they're all right there at the same kind of you know Maybe skill level Dom i would say Dom Cruz is still he's still good though i mean he just case he beat casey kenny pretty you know i wouldn't say dominantly but he he beat him yeah. he's stalled up and coming dude i mean look at the fight against song Yidong just now exactly um i mean and that was a really close fight honestly uh so yeah yeah any of those guys i could i'd love to see any of them fight each other even even cruz and tj again like all those guys what about these two names for for jose blake i mean jose aldo versus ralph font that would be a good one too that would be another one that i'm really interested in that would that would be the one (laughs) oh that's so good like if it's not if if tj is not willing to fight jose i'd say Mm -hmm. ralph font should should fight jose Mm -hmm. and tj probably will not i'm I'm assuming he's probably just gonna sit out I, I don't blame him. I, I believe that he probably is next in line, more than likely, to fight for the bantamweight belt after Piotr Jan probably reclaims it from Aljo in dominant fashion. Because, I mean, seriously, who the hell would want to fight Corey Sandhagen? And TJ, like, asked for that fight. First fight back, coming off mm-hmm. two-year layoff. Fights Corey Sandhagen. That's crazy, man. You're like, what would you rather see, though? Would you rather see Corey Sandhagen and Rob Font or Jose Aldo and Rob Font? Or Corey Sandhagen and Jose Aldo? Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. All three. Um, I mean, let's just do a round robin with these guys, right? Two fights a night. Do a tournament. That'd be sweet. <laughs> For the yeah, the it, dude, they got a predicament with the bantamweight division. But the good thing is, is I don't think there's any wrong answer. I like, think it's a good all, predicament to be. They're in. all yeah. They're all right. Like I said, they're all right there with each other. Um, and it's really kind of almost like musical chairs you know would you rather be a matchmaker for the welterweight division or the bantamweight division right now definitely the bantamweight division because like like i said dude any fight you put together is gonna be fireworks right now Mm -hmm. in bantamweight i mean and it's been like that since probably like 2016 2015 Mm -hmm. like every top top 10 top 15 in bantamweight is so deep now let's just get chido vera versus sugar sean part two yeah, we'll see about that. I, I'm I'm interested to see who Sean's next opponent. It sounds like he already has it. So, mm-hmm. was he is about to make an announcement on his Twitch stream or something like that? Um, I don't know how soon he's going to make an announcement because uh, it's it's slated for December. So that's mm-hmm. quite that's quite a ways away. Mm-hmm. I would I would I would assume maybe in like a month month well, he and has a half. A December fight. He's that's what he's said on okay. his podcasts and uh, and other various shows that he does. I'm excited YouTube. for that. I'm excited for that. That'd be a good one, man. I'll, but this bantamweight division is just so damn good. And honestly, Jose Aldo has a solid shot at taking the belt. Mm, not if he fights Jan again. <laughs> Jan will kill that guy. I don't know. It might be a different fight at this point. I don't think so, man. You don't think so? Nope. Who's beating Jan in the division right now? Is TJ the answer? Who's beating Jan? Yeah. Mm. I thought Corey had a good chance. Mm. Um, TJ's going to be a good fight. Uh, man, I don't know. It... Jan's mean, dude. It he might, might be, be able to. Corey, honestly, he might he might be able to finish TJ. Jan might be able to finish TJ. Oh, I'd be but, uh, happy. I'd be I'd be so on board for that. <laughs> it'll it'll be really interesting, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know who I take in that fight if they fought. I definitely think he's gonna blow through uh, uh, Aljamain again, though. Mm-hmm. Oh man, so. I don't know. I think this is just gonna be like ridiculous. Uh, you know, three fights that we can make in the top of the division and. I'm, so on board for it. And speaking of championship fights, let's talk about Cyril Gunn and Derek Lewis because this was for the interim belt. And I don't know, man. I, I, I think the difference that one night can make. Like, I wasn't 
really on the gone hype train until this fight because he he kind of I mean Dirk is a great fighter he deserves to be at number two right now but he whooped that ass gone whooped that ass for 14 minutes of this fight then landed the knockout it and, and what's crazy and he, all he made Derek throw less almost one punch per minute that's pretty much what Derek threw. He, I think he threw 16 total strikes in And 14. how many did he land at that point, too? Derek Lewis I'm, was Well, I'm sorry. Missing, he, landed, he landed Landed 16 total strikes through 37. So That's ridiculous, man. Throwing like two and a half strikes per minute. Cyril Gunn's ridiculous. He's absolutely ridiculous for this, man. I mean, come on, dude. Like, this was just almost a perfect performance. And, and if you look at the set that um, Megan Levy actually did this on their broadcast, uh, Gon has never had... He's always been in top position in his entire MMA career. Professional career. He's always been in what? Top. Top position. No one's ever been on his back. Whether on the ground or standing up. Well, I mean, he's only had like three fights. No, in his MMA career. So now the the 10 fights, thank you very much. I'm just kidding. I'm I just know, kidding. I know you are. But that's ridiculous. He's been in the dominant position every fight of his career and he really is the next generation of heavyweight MMA fighters and dude I am I wasn't as excited for I was mostly hoping for Ngannou versus Derek Lewis but man this Ngannou fight is really really interesting yeah I can't wait for it um I, I would be more impressed if he had a you know a little bit more uh a little bigger record, I guess. A little more fights on his resume, because yeah. um, 10's just, you know. In MMA, it's not that much. Or it's not that much. It's not that much. Um, but I mean, if you look, if you go uh, look into his record a little bit, you'll see that he's also undefeated in, at professional Muay Thai, thirteen zero there, I believe. Okay. Uh, um, I think pretty much the same thing for kickboxing too. Yeah, I, I don't have. At, I mean, there's one about like was a sixty day difference. Between John Jones winning his first title and Cyril Gunn winning his first title. So, it's been done. This has been done quickly before. It's going to be interesting. Both two guys that came from the uh, MMA, factory, MMA factory in uh, France, I believe. Mm-hmm. Past training partners. Teammates, man. Dana said you're going to write it better. They're going to have to uh, put that all aside, though, and see who's the baddest man on the planet. And I'm telling you, you have to finish Cyril. You have mm-hmm. to finish Gunn. Um, You're not only a point fight against him. Yeah, this this guy is like a lightweight fighting at heavyweight. The way that he strikes, the way that he moves, the way that he you know defends, mm-hmm. uh, and he and he mixes everything together. It's just it's flat out unreal what that guy can do in his body. And you know, yeah, I don't know, man. He he's awesome. I'm definitely on the hype train now. All right, so let me know if this is an overreaction or not, Blake, because I definitely was not thinking this before this fight between Gon and Lewis. But is it overreaction to say that Cyril Gon is a better fighter than Francis Ngannou and is correctly shown on the current odds that he should be the favorite in this fight? Have we seen... So I'm going to change that question around okay. to kind of give my answers. Like, have we seen Cyril probably, like do more with uh, more weapons... Uh, at his disposal yes is he as scary as francis no does he have as much power as francis i don't think so because francis looks like he hits like a silverback gorilla <laughs> so on roids maybe harder who knows maybe a little bit of um, is going through that silverback gorilla man so maybe does he have 
more tools in the tool shed? Possibly. Yeah, I think I think you could say that. I think he might have a, a few more ways to beat Francis than Francis might have to beat him. But will he be able to get to that? Uh, will, he, will he be able to last, basically, is the question that we're going to be asking. Because um, I don't think Cyril's going to be a uh, – you don't think he's going to try to wrestle Francis, do you? Or do you well, think he's going to – No, after not if he watches that Stipe film, because you remember that – I mean, and got stuff that one takedown uh, mm-hmm. attempt by Stipe, and then Liz ass up. Right. I don't think you can shoot against Ngano, man. I don't think you can. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I really don't freaking know. And the thing that makes it even more hard for people to to kind of pick it apart is the fact that they are training partners. Like, are they going to, or they were training partners, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to hold back at all? Like, is there going to, like, not hold back, but I'm saying, are they going to know in their mind, like, oh, he knows what I do. I think it's I almost benefits gone that they're training partners and they're kind of like friends because if you think about this, uh, I was actually Joe Sutton first made this point on his YouTube show. And I thought, I thought it was a really, really good point because if you think about it, I mean, he was talking about so they're they're friends. I mean, are you like you know your friend might kick your ass, but are you really afraid of your friend at the end of the day? I don't know. I think he has a lot more confidence that and a lot less fear than any other fighter might have against Francis Ngannou because he knows what Ngannou can do and he's like buddies with Ngannou so he's almost comfortable being around him not a lot of people like I know personally if I was just around Francis Ngannou just standing there I'd be shaking man that dude's scary sure but he but he also has never fought him that's that's real yeah like he's never gotten in an actual I mean in my I don't know I, I, I can't I guess I can't really say that but yeah if they're if the pads are on all that stuff like that's not a real fight man mm-hmm. if the octagon you know is if they're not in the octagon with the doors locked and and you know uh, three or four cornermen and a huge crowd or, or in the apex with no crowd, it doesn't count, man. You like that's not a real fight. Yeah. So he has like yes, he he will have some comfortability probably mm-hmm. and and know like hey yes I have I've I've done rounds with this guy before I know his power, all that kind of stuff. But until the bullets are you know flying at you live, you don't know how you're gonna react. Fair enough, man. Uh, but, but yeah, I don't yeah. see Cyril getting scared, though. That's for sure. I definitely don't see that. The way that, I mean, the way he took out Volkov, the way he took out Derek Lewis. He carries himself, too, man. He's just, he's a tank. He knows it. Stud, man. He's a stud, dude. He's he's a freaking gladiator, for sure. That's all there is to it. Um, And then with Derek Lewis, though, do you think he's still, he's now competed for two UFC heavyweight titles? One was, was against Daniel Cormier a number of years back, um, and now this interim belt. Was this the last time we see him in a title fight, or does he still have a chance to, to maybe make it back? He's a big name, so he'll probably always have a chance. But I don't think he's ever going to have um, as good of a run as he just really kind of had. You know, the names that he was taking out on his rise up to this title shot, that knockout over Curtis Blades. I mean, it's going to be really hard to replicate this mm-hmm. a third time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, I don't know, but. The way that he knocks people out and gets people talking and has those post-fight interviews, you never know. You Gee, never man, know. He could have his next fight, um, whoever it may be. He could get a land, he could land a huge knockout. He'll be be right back there, you know. Yep. And I mean, speaking of the next fight though, there's it's kind of hard to, to match make for Derek just because there's been he's kind of fought and knocked out almost anyone at the top of the division, <laughs> which yeah. is I mean, uh, good for him at least. Uh, one guy he hasn't fought yet is Jurisno Rosenstroik. Who is near the top of that, or if it's um it's there's gonna be if here, but if Francis Ngannou loses 
to Cyril Gaon when they had their title unification belt. Possibly Lewis versus Ngannou is still an option there. I'd rather see uh, Rosenstrike sounds cooler to me right now. Yeah, I'd be a fan of that. Someone's a game who lights put the hell out. Hands down. Yeah. That'd be a good-ass fight. We'd love to hear what you guys think about this. So, can Derek Lewis still contend for a title? Is Cyril Gaon the future of the UFC heavyweight division or just MMA in general? And what do you think about the early fight predictions for Ngannou versus Gaon? But we got a few things to talk right here before we get to the Nene of the week. The first one being that Juliana Pena is calling for a bantamweight interim belt if Amanda Nunes isn't ready by December. So it's been about 20 months now since Amanda Nunes has has uh, defended the bantamweight belt. She's been uh, she's uh, um, defended the featherweight belt a couple of times, but not the bantamweight. Can't really remember though because mm-hmm. there's really hardly been anyone that can actually contend for that. Uh, Nunes has said that she'd be ready for a December fight, so it looks like we're still on track for this, and that will make it about two years since the belt was last defended. But does Pena have a point here? And is is she in the right or wrong for talking about uh, Amanda Nunes like this? Uh, yeah, she is completely just. I uh, I don't know. I want to be nice <laughs> and not just start using curse words, but um, yeah, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, that's really that's really it. I mean, seriously, awful. you you look at the top ten in the bantamweight division. Mm-hmm. Dude, she beats all their asses. I mean, she, right. and she's already beat most of their asses. Like Jermaine Durandamy. Once or twice. <laughs> Holly Holm, you know. Uh, the only two newcomers are really Aspen Ladd and Irene Aldana that I don't think she's fought yet. Mm-hmm. And and maybe Yana and, and Juliana. So she's getting to you, okay? Now it's your guys' turn. <laughs> There's no more 145ers left for her to beat up on. So now she's back in the 135. Just relax. Your, your ass beating will come. I think did did she get COVID or was it her baby? Someone uh, I think I think at least someone in her camp got it. Something crazy happened. She might like, have gotten it. It'll be good. You're still gonna get that title fight. Yeah. As long as you're getting that title fight, why are you crying? Exactly. But she's been talking all this. She's been talking so much smack for someone that's gonna come out as huge of an underdog as she is. She's gonna get smoked. Man, I knew this. I it doesn't matter if it was gonna be UFC two sixty five in the Colmain. Doesn't matter if it's gonna be December. Amanda Nunes is going to bounce her head off the canvas. <laughs> She's going to kill her. She's going to bounce her. I mean, if you're trying, you're literally pissing off a line at this point, dude. Yeah. I don't think this is the right strategy. It's a strat- strategy that she's gone with. It's been doing for months now. But I think it's just going to be one huge backfire. There's no way that she even comes close to beating Amanda Nunes. I like it, though, because I want Amanda to be mad. I want her to be... Or maybe not mad, but just pumped up. You I know, think... I want I want her to go out there and want to prove a point because I mean a lot of these to. fights. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A lot of these fights, she's going out there Collect and she's like paycheck. a collecting a minus minus five hundred favorite, you know, against these scrubs, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. I mean, seriously, like the, this right here, these this division, hers, the one thirty five, one forty five, Valentina Shevchenko's one twenty five. They're not deep. They don't have like. They don't have a lot of uh, talent in the, in these divisions yet that are on the level of the champions. You know, mm-hmm. there's no one that can touch these guys right now. So, hey, yeah, man, Nunez maybe get a little pissed off. And uh, I mean, Sean Strickland talking about how he wants to kill someone off the Let's see, Amanda Nunez do that. <laughs> hey, man, she she damn well could. Jeez. So could Valentina. 
Oh, so Kim Valentine, she, uh, but Juliana Pena, is actually just digging her own grave at this point in time. Now let's talk about another uh, potential fight here. Uh, so uh, a couple potential fights uh, that might be happening. One verbally agreed with. One not even close to being uh, anywhere near completed. But let's talk about Nate Diaz seemingly calling out Conor McGregor on Twitter. He posted uh, a video uh, about uh, Nate Diaz did about Conor McGregor's injury, saying something like, "You should have seen this coming." Along those lines. So, is this fight still a, a must-see? Has it lost some of its maybe glimmer or intrigue? And how bad do you want to see this fight? And is it going to happen? Are we going to get the trilogy between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz? He also called out uh, Dustin Poirier. I don't know if you caught that. Too. Oh, you caught that with talk- I mean, both of them kind of talking smack about each other. And and Khabib. So I mean, he, he's called he's called <laughs> out. Like, he pretty much talked crap on everyone today. Uh, well, it's I guess a busy no, day on Twitter. It's a busy day. Actually, Khabib, the Khabib stuff was four days ago. I'll take that. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, I didn't, week, I, and, you know, I didn't see the Connor tweet, though, no. Yeah. Um, and I think he must have deleted that or something, unless it was a reply, because I don't see it on his feed. Huh. Yeah, um, no, I, I definitely saw it. Let's see if it's uh, let's see if it's still bookmarked on my on my Twitter. No, it's not there. It was taken my, He probably deleted it, you Does, know. Oh, know what, what does this do. mean? I don't know why those guys do like Connor. Same thing. He'll tweet something crazy and then delete it. Like, dude, we everyone can screenshot. Everyone knows how. Man, screen records are a thing. You know how many people have your notification like subscription or whatever? Million. I don't know how you say that. Your notification. Subscribe to your notifications. Notifications turned on for your tweets. There you go. There we go. You know how many people have that feature turned on for you? Probably a lot. Hundred thousand at least. I would say fifty thousand. Easily, easily. Um. But yeah, I mean, so that fight, Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor, does it still interest me? Does it still have the intrigue? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, if you just look, what's a what's a really popular saying? You know, for the for the fight fans, especially for UFC, styles make fights. This these two styles are just a perfect match for each other in terms of um, entertainment. Watching MMA, I mean, it's a fist fight. That's really it. There's there's not going to be too much other. Uh, you know, aspects going into that, like they want to punch each other in the face as hard as possible and see who can withstand it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always down to see that fight. The main thing for me is I just want, I want Connor to heal up. I want him to not rush back. I want him to mm-hmm. be good to go. I want a good Connor for, for this fight. You yeah. Know, for whatever fights next for him. Cause I mean, this is, this is an important fight. I mean, this is going to be Connor's probably out of the running now for title fights and stuff like that, unless he really strings together some impressive performances. So I mean, really, Nate, this Nate Diaz fight might be the most meaningful fight that he has left on the radar right now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a legacy fight, definitely a money fight. Oh yeah, any well, any fight with Connor's a money yeah. fight. So I mean, I think this is one we have to see before Conor McGregor retires. Hmm. I mean, I'd say I'd I'd absolutely agree. I'd say yes, please. Just remember, I not turn it down. The, the first fight of this trilogy, man. Nate Diaz taking this on short notice, coming in blooding up conor mcgregor and taking his back and being the first to ever submit conor mcgregor the first ever it's ridiculous man i don't think he was the first to submit him but he was the first to finish him inside the octagon yeah yeah in the ufc at least because i think some some weird random guy submitted him or something really early in his career when he was with cage warriors yeah it was like another irishman i want to say dylan dennis Jesus Christ! I'll, the I'll tell you right now. 
I'll tell you right now. It was. <laughs> oh boy. I want to say Duffy or something like so that. Dan's man. He needs to get his ass off. That. I'm, I'm a honest. professional, bro. Joseph Duffy, the first. You are a genius. Yeah. It was, and actually, that was the second person to to submit him. He oh. got submitted twice Maybe early on in his career. Yeah, he got he got a knee bar submission from Artemis Stianikov. Oh. Don't know how to say that in Cage of Truth. Probably a friend of Khabib. And then in Cage Warriors 39, he was beaten in the first round, 38 seconds by an arm triangle choke. Oh wow! Yeah. Conor McGregor, uh, your legacy has been tarnished officially. Uh, one of the... And he never got that win. He never got either of those wins back. That's crazy. He probably booked to the UFC before. Well, I don't blame him. Obviously, we saw what happened. No, I mean he still had. He still had. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight more fights. Wow, I honestly I didn't know he had that many fights in Cage Warriors. Yeah, dude, he was two and one at one point, and then that loss to Joseph Duffy, he was four and two. And then he got all the way up to twelve and two before he got uh recruited to the UFC. <laughs> and then he went on the I think like what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fight win streak until Nate Diaz beat him. Right. Hey, honestly, it's just a huge fight, man. I, I Honestly, I would love to see this. Uh, but, Blake, bringing the facts onto UFC Talk. You gotta love it. Uh, but the uh, last bit of news we want to talk about is another fight that at least has been reportable, reportedly agreed to verbally. And that's between John Jones and Stipe Miocic. Of course, this fight would have been a lot bigger about a year ago. But is what it is at this point, I guess. But do you do you think this actually went down? Um, and then how much are you still like putting into this fight is it still as exciting um it's still gonna be the light heavyweight goat against the heavyweight goat just no title on the line probably is definitely a title eliminator though what do you think about this i think it's kind of a missed opportunity by the ufc a little bit mm. um but it's still gonna be a sick fight i just the only thing i guess you can't really say it was a missed opportunity because i don't think john jones was ready i don't mm. think he was ready a year ago um, and I think he would be the first to admit that because he's obviously been going through a rigorous, you know, strength and conditioning program to get up to the, um, the weight that he sees as, uh, most, you know, I, I, the, whatever weight he wants to, to fight at mm -hmm. format, you know, that's, that's what he's targeting. And I think that's what he's been working towards. At least that's my opinion. That's what I think. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is really the only time this fight could have gone down and, uh, yeah, I think it's still going to be intriguing. I think people are still going to be uh, really interested in seeing this fight. But yeah, the fact that it doesn't really have anything on the line, um, I guess, makes it not as big of a deal. Early but prediction though with this one, man, who wins? I think the hardcore fans are still going to be super, you know, salivating at the mouth for this. Basically, hands down, um, hands down. And I don't know, man. I think Stipe. I'm going to have to go with Stipe just because he's been the best at heavyweight. It's his division. Um, still in my opinion i don't know what we're going to get from john jones either yeah and that's the thing is john jones is going to have more weight on is he going to still have his speed is he still going to be as sharp as he was at uh light heavyweight with light so, heavyweight do you really have like a speed advantage in most of his oh, yeah. fights dude like, like like uh well so uh maybe enough for that to carry over to the heavyweights is much you think yeah, I mean, not only just his speed, but just his variety of different striking I and think that's what, movement. I think and that's what, what, what actually. Mixing everything together, you I, know? I think it's his variety of striking that caused the most problems for people because, you know, I mean, his elbows, of course, his knees, leg kicks from distance, from close, 
I mean, Heathrow is one of the one of the people that could actually throw a question mark kick and convincingly look like he's going to land it. You know, yeah. heel kicks. This dude hit you with everything. Yeah, and I'm not even specifically saying that he was one of like the fastest people in light heavyweight. I'm fast. just saying, yeah, hands is out. he going to lose speed from his striking? Is he going to lose speed in his you know in his movement? Like well, he's not going to have his reach advantage anymore because that was huge right. for him in light heavyweight. Yeah, he's always been the physical specimen, you know. This now he's going up to a division where is he average freak? Yeah. Mm, I don't, I don't know. I think he's just going to be another guy up there because what is he like six three, six four? Yeah, six four. Yeah, so I mean, he's. He, I think he's just a guy up there. He's. He, I think he's like the prototype size, but he's not going to. Like I said, he's not going to be that dominant physical freak. He's not going to be that six seven, Volkov towering over guys, able to piece anyone up from the outside. But mm-hmm. he is going to be well-rounded and battle-ready in his championship uh, material. So he's he's fought the best pretty much every fight in his career at UFC. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can't you can't really uh, count him out ever. Yeah, and, and given like obviously it's it's easy to look over it in this part of his game from because of his amazing striking. But John Jones has really solid wrestling. Sipe, he has really solid wrestling. So I think this is a fight that ends up on the feet still. So that's really exciting to me. And Sipe is one of the most technical uh, technical um, heavyweights that we've ever seen. I mean, Sipe didn't um, you know win the belt and defended three consecutive times because of his power. Okay, <laughs> I mean, no one's ever thought that that Sipe had was a power of a specimen. Dude pieces you up, and he lands the right shots at the right time at the right places. So. I think it'd at least be a technical masterclass of a, of a heavyweight fight. Might not be yeah. a slugfest, might not be a brawl, but man, would it be amazing to see. I agree. Oh, man. Shoot. Hey, hey play that for UFC, man. I just promoted the shit out of this, or we just promoted the shit out of this fight, man. We <laughs> we need it. We need it, and we need it bad. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, let's know what you think about that. But uh, we're going to head on to the last segment of the show, man. I really feel like this has flown by. Damn. Oh, yeah. We're already ending. Huh. Time flies when you're having fun, man. Hey, it's always fun. You know, I'm glad that hopefully everyone listening to this is having a great time right now. At least as good as a uh, time as Blake and I because, you know, Mondays are always the worst, uh, the hardest days of the week. So when we get to this, we have a, a lot of fun talking MMA here. Um, but we're going to wrap things off with, of course, none other than the Nene of the week. And this is a little bit more of a general one, and maybe it wasn't as bad at UFC 265 as other pay-per-views, but we gotta talk about, I mean, there's always one fighter at these pay-per-views that gets badly injured. Uh, it, it's been going on since UFC 261 now. So in UFC 261, of course, Chris Wyman broke the hell out of his leg. Fortunately, he had to go into a second surgery too, so I hope everything goes well for him. And uh, I think Blah Muhammad pointed this out that, uh, or at least someone did on Twitter. It might have been Blah, but was, was kind of uh, suggesting that Weidman should be uh, at the UFC uh, uh, um, desk, you know, like the uh, pre-fight and during the fight analysis, kind of like what Michael Chiesa and, you know, um, Michael Chandler have been doing. I think that'd be great. I mean, I, I just just tangent. We'll love to see that. Um, <laughs> of course, UFC 262, Jacare Souza got his arm snapped, and that looked awful. UFC 263, Jamal Hill. Looked like he has arm stamp. Luckily, it's just a dislocated elbow. But yeah, that thing just flopped in there in, in the wind. It looked really bad. Of course, UC 264. 
Conor McGregor broke his leg, or Dustin Poirier broke Conor McGregor's leg, whichever storyline you want to go with. And now a UFC 265 in the early prelims. Victoria Leonardo had her arm broken by Melissa Gatto, and the fight was stopped due to that. Of course, it wasn't as of a gruesome injury as some of the other ones. But if you look, like if you looked at that arm, look, it looked that forearm looked jacked up after that fight. You know, a lot of credit for her for wanting to still fight from being devastated that the fight was called at that point. But I mean, the ref made the the ref and the doctor made the right decision there. But man, I mean, a lot of credit to her. But oh boy, it's uh, it's a dangerous game we're playing. I mean, I know MMA is already dangerous, but there's this kind of streak going. <laughs> I mean, watch out for these UFC two sixty six fighters. Right, you gotta you gotta be careful, man. You better be drinking that milk. Hey, <laughs> get that calcium going. It's almost like, uh, hey, screw being on on a pay per view, man. Let me just get like the the headliner, one of the top spots on on the fight night, man. These things are happening there. Yeah, there's no curses on the fight nights, you know. So I think that's probably the safer bet right now. Right <laughs> at this point, not looking uh, good for that stuff. But that's going to do it. I mean, Victoria Leonardo takes home. The Nene of the Week, obviously, it wasn't her fault, but she's just keeping on this long uh, streak of injuries, and that's never good. I'm not hoping for this, but you know, it is what it is. But, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for us on episode 56 of UFC Talk. Let us know uh, your thoughts and comments on any one of these topics, whether it be on tw- uh, you share with us on Twitter, at 4th Long Radio, at Instagram, at fourth long radio or best of all you can leave a five-star review over on apple Podcasts. of course links to all of this are over at the fourth and long.com or for all of you you've seen mma content the fourth slash ufc but blake your thoughts about ufc uh 265 in one word or phrase yeah, I was, I was like, you can't trick me and do the, the, no, the card coming up this weekend. There is a one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, shoot, I don't know. Um, One fight or one word that comes to mind, probably just, Uh, I don't know. I don't have a one word thing. One word's hella hard, dude, because I have so much stuff that well, goes through. Well, do the phrase then. Give me a phrase. The Black Beast got beasted, bro. The Black Beast got beasted, Blake. You actually, you, you got some gold right there. I, I do love that. Ladies and gentlemen, the Black Beast got beasted, quoted by UFC 4th Long. Oh, I just messed that one up, didn't I? Let's That's good. Just, UFC know, correspondent. UFC correspondent for 4th Long Radio. Go check out our interview with Raymond Subscribe to Patreon. Don't be a bitch. Give me some money. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Just do all of that, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy your Saturday Without Fights. I hope you get through it. And we'll see all of you guys on Tuesday leading up to Kelvin Gastelum and Jerry Cannonier.